0: Boys, dancing is forbidden. Dancing is forbidden. Dance,
1: man, dance. Dancing is forbidden. <poisoned juice> dancing is forbidden. Dancing is
2: forbidden. You running crew, welcome to Dancing is Forbidden. In Aqua Teen Hunger Force Exploration, I am Ronnie. I am watching through every Aqua Teen episode, and I am talking all about it right here, right now. This week, we watched Season 1, Episode 4, Mayhem of the Moonanites.
3: We are the Moonanites, <laughs> and our culture has advanced beyond all that you can possibly comprehend with 100% of your brain.
2: Yes, we finally approached the first, I think unanimously considered great Aqua Teen episode. The Moon and Knights are unquestionably the most popular Aquatine villains, going so far as having Ignignox face on the Volume 4 DVD. The Moon and Knights go on to have 8 full episodes basically featuring them and dedicated to them, as well as being featured in a ton of other episodes, the Aquatine movie, the Aquatine games, and they were supposed to be on a spin-off with the Plutonians who we still haven't seen yet called Space Kittats, which is later used as a cold opening and replacing the Dr. Weird skits. So yeah, just huge characters and clearly Matt and Dave and Adult Swim and all, everyone involved with the show had high expectations for them, which I think they mostly met. Like These characters are very popular. Unfortunately, they didn't get their own show, but as I have discussed and talked about on social media, there will be a string of shorts coming out called Aquadonk Side Pieces. Still no release date on that, but I'd imagine it will definitely feature the Moon and Nights. It's supposed to be about the villains of Aqua Teen and kind of what they're up to now. So it's safe to say that there's going to be some Moon and Nights in those episodes. This episode, actually, the first Aqua Teen episode to feature a TV-14 rating. Up until now, episodes have been rated Parental Guidance, or PG, uh, typically for language. So yeah, this is our first TV-14 I think easy to assume why, right? The the Moon and Knights are very crass characters. But yeah, before I get into that, just a little housekeeping here. First of all, I apologize to Matt Malaro. For some reason, last episode, I kept saying Malaro. I have no idea why. And I didn't want to go back and like have to fix all that. But yes, it kind of a weird decision on my part. Nobody pointed it out. So I, I thank you guys for that. Secondly, I've put a little work into the website, dancingisforbidden.com adding some links there where you can like watch aqua teen obviously legally buy it legally all that stuff on instagram paperback papa messaged me saying very nice things about the theme song which i did create so he was asking for a download for that so i've put that on the website as well if you guys want to download the uh quote full theme song for this podcast you can grab it there it's not you know it's only like a minute and a half or something but it's there if you would like it. I At some point, I plan to like go through and make it kind of like a proper like three-minute thing. Yeah, that that's definitely uh, something for the future. But yes, thank you, Paperback Papa, for reaching out with those kind words. And of course, thank you, anybody who has reached out. It's been very overwhelming how much support I've gotten. I feel very blessed. And it's just great to connect with all you Aqua Teen fans because I only know a couple people in my real life that are fans of Aqua Teen, so it's not really something I get to talk about a whole lot uh, before I started this podcast, so... It's been really, really nice to chat with you guys about that. So I appreciate everybody for reaching out. And of course, even just liking a post, whatever. And of course, sharing the podcast. You guys are awesome. Last but not least, on the website, I have created like a little thing called SpeakPipe, which allows you guys to leave me voice messages. So if you head to dancingisforbidden.com on a computer... On the sidebar there, you'll be able to press click here to leave a voice message. Also, I'll put this link in the show notes for this episode. Um, If you're on mobile, you can just scroll down to the bottom of the website. It should be down there. But yes, you can go there. You can leave me a voice message either on your phone, your computer, whatever. Whatever. And I would like to use these messages in the show. I'd like to kind of get your guys' voices on here too. It can be about like a past Aqua episode, a future one I haven't covered yet. Obviously, like if it's one I'm going to cover, I will try and play it in that episode. You can also just leave me whatever about the podcast, whatever. Like I said, I'd like to get you guys involved. Would love to hear some stories like, oh, yeah, I remember watching this episode back when, you know, whatever was going on. I love that you guys are sharing that with me on Instagram. So if you want to, get that story out on the pod feel free to send stuff my way so yeah if you want to leave a voice message for sure check the show notes or you can go to dancing click it that way i kind of would like to get like a phone number thing set up so you guys can just call a phone number i feel like that's a little bit easier and then i can get it that way but yeah for now if you would like to leave a voice message you can also just go straight to speakpipe.com slash dancing is forbidden or check the show notes check the website okay I want to shout out Calvin Laser McMurray for hitting me up, letting me know that his dad, in fact, did wake him up swapping out his tooth, aka the Tooth Fairy. <laughs> so yeah, in, in our last episode here, I, I was kind of talking about the Tooth Fairy and wondering if any of you guys have been woken up while your parent was swapping it out. And indeed, it has happened at least one time. I'm sure many more times. So thank you for letting me know that, Calvin. Really appreciate it. Of course, as I said last week, he does have an episode of his podcast out called The You Show Show, where he showed his friend the Aqua Teen movie. So if you would like to listen to that, look up The You Show Show. I had some fun with the Instagram polls this weekend, just kind of checking those out. So I asked you guys, which Aqua Teen episode do you prefer between Escape from Leprocopolis and Bus of the Undead? Initially, it was pretty neck and neck. But Bus of the Undead came in with a resounding 73% of the votes. I prefer that episode as well, but I have a lot of respect for the people who like Escape from Leprocopolis. I I like the underdogs in that situation. Uh, Escape from Leprocopolis got 17 votes. Bust of the Undead got 46. So thank you guys for voting for that. It was really fun to kind of keep tabs on that. And then did another poll as well for this week's episode. I asked you guys which Moon Knight is best, Ignignokt or Ur? And this one was super close. Like It was kind of a nail-biter watching how close it was. And it ended up being Ignignokt with 48%, Ur with 52%. So very close between the two, which I think is awesome. I was really glad to see that. Both of the Moonanites have pretty different personalities, but they're just super funny in their own way, and they complement each other very well. I'll kind of get into their personalities, of course, uh, during the proper section of this episode. Ignignock brought in a respectable 41 votes, Ur with 45. So yeah, guys, again, thank you for participating. It was really fun. I'll, I'll try and come up with, with a little bit better questions, but seeing that you guys are willing to answer them, definitely a lot of fun. If you would like to answer future poll questions, find me on Instagram at AquateenPod. But yes, that's it. Thanks for sticking in there. Let's see what was going on this week in real-world history when this episode of Aqua Teen premiered. Mayhem of the Moon Knights released October 14th, 2001. It is the only Aqua Teen episode released in October of 2001, actually. And this came out two weeks after Bus of the Undead. I should note, when I say, like, oh, it's been two weeks since a new episode... Typically, what they would be doing on Adult Swim in between these new Aqua Teen episodes is, apart from showing new episodes of other shows, would be like just showing reruns of Aqua Teen. So it would still be in its slot. It would just be a rerun of an episode people have already seen. The big hit film this week was Inner City Police Drama Training Day. It was also the big film the previous week as well. This week, it brought in over $13 million. The previous week, it brought in $22.5 million, So big moneymaker. Training Day starred Denzel Washington, Ethan Hawke, and Eva Mendes, as well as rappers Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg actually starred in the movie Bones, coming out 10 days later. So this was a big month for Snoop Dogg, showing off his acting chops. Unfortunately, Bones didn't seem to do too well critically or in the box office. But luckily, Training Day didn't share the same fate. It actually has a 7.7 on IMDb and a 73% on Rotten Tomatoes. So... Pretty well received, actually, compared to the past few movies that we've talked about. In typical fashion, I haven't seen this one. I actually would be interested in seeing this one based on what I've read about it. But I've got so many David Lynch movies to watch right now. I don't have time for this. But definitely something I'll keep in mind. It is on HBO Max. So if you've got that to watch your Aqua Teen, you can also watch Training Day. I heard it's pretty good. Seeing as this is our only Aquateen episode released this month in 2001, I want to mention that Monsters, Inc. came out later this month, which I remember seeing in theaters as a little kid. I loved it, and I'm sure it still holds up pretty okay these days. Our next section here, I kind of was wondering if I should talk about TV shows coming out this month. I don't know that I will because we're already talking about like Aquatine, like that's the main TV show, but I do want to mention that Scrubs premieres this month in 2001. Which I was a big fan of that show for a period when I was like 13, 14. A girl I was dating at the time, her sister was huge into it. So it was always on their TV. So I always saw it there. Started watching some of it again. It still it still holds up. I still have a soft spot for Zach Braff. But anyways, yeah, I don't think I'll be talking about many other TV shows. Let's move on to music. In terms of the normal charts I've been reading you guys, like basically the billboard, like top whatever. Um, It's all stuff we've heard before. So the, the big single this week was Fallen by Alicia Keys, which we played in the last episode. The Billboard 200 number one album was The Blueprint by Jay-Z on Rockefeller Records, which we played last episode, so I'm not going to play those again. However, there is another music chart that I had failed to talk about before, which is the Billboard Alternative Songs number ones. And our number one this week for 13 consecutive weeks is... Nickelback's How You Remind Me, juggernaut of a song, 13 weeks straight on these charts. And spoiler alert, it does appear on the normal Billboard Hot Singles chart. So just a huge track. Honestly, I remember back in the day, shitting on Nickelback. Nickelback sucks this. Nickelback blows that. Come on now. Nickelback isn't that bad, honestly, looking back on it. I think a part of my reasoning for that is like I was a kid when I thought that shit, so... My reaction now is to hate everything I thought when I was a kid, uh, of course, besides loving Aqua and Hunger Force, listening through some of their discography for this podcast, they're heavier than I remembered. I, I guess a few years ago they put out an album called "Feed the Machine." that the first song on the album is actually pretty all right. It, it's heavier than I remember from Nickelback, because when I think of Nickelback, I think of like that photograph song and stuff like that. Um, they're still doing their thing. Obviously not as big as they were, but I respect them for still chugging on, and doing whatever they want because they're not really writing r- radio hits. I don't think you know it's. I don't. I don't think writing as heavy music as they have been is going to get them there. So not too shabby. And I want to say yes, I listen to heavy music. I listen to Cannibal Corpse. I listen to the new Slaughter to Prevail album that just came out. But I listen to Conjurer. I listen to Behemoth. I listen to death metal, black metal. So I'm not saying that they're heavy, heavy, but. They're heavy for a pop band, right? Not a band I listen to at all, but they're really not deserving of the hate they get, I think. And I think people are coming around to that. But in all fairness, anytime you hear anybody on the radio constantly, you're probably going to hate them. So fair enough. If you still hate these guys, I get it. In honorable mention, a very seminal and important album came out on the 9th of October, two thousand and one. Very important to me and to you. Okay. Okay. Enough. Whoa. Wow. Yes, you heard it right. October 9th, 2001 sees Kids Bop 1 released with such bangers as All Star. Oops, I Did It Again. Bye, bye, bye. All the small things. What a Girl Wants. I Want It That Way. All these hit tracks absolutely fucking ruined by a bunch of kids for some reason. As a little kid, I never understood the point of these albums. I guess as an adult now, I can think like, It makes sense for like dirty songs. If you want to clean them up, then sure, have some kids sing them. But like, none of these songs for the most part were even like changed or anything. So I I just don't get it. I don't know who's buying these. Obviously, somebody is because they're still making them to this day. In fact, they just put out the 20th birthday edition of this very album. So they re recorded all of these songs again in kids' bop fashion. And I have to say, they did a much better job. (laughs) I mean, it still sucks. It's still kids' bop, right? But. This like this first album is just so bad. It's unbelievable. So they did get a lot better and my understanding is they got kids who actually went on to have real music careers. So there was some talent brought up in, in, in this environment, but certainly not on these on this first album, I don't think, because everything I listened to was just horrible. Last but not least with music, on October twelfth, so two days before this Aqua Teen episode aired, West Borland leaves Limp Biscuit. However, He has since come back, and they recently were playing shows, and they premiered a new song called Dad Vibes, which I thought was pretty all right, so I'm excited to hear that when it actually comes out, because they just played it at Lollapalooza. So yes, Wes is back. Wes kind of brought like the artistic integrity to Limp Bizkit, and without him, they kind of fell apart, because in 2003, they came out with Results May Vary, which was just not a good album at all, really. There was a couple good songs. Call Back to Snoop Dogg, he was on that album. A couple decent songs on Results May Vary, but... Overall, not a great album. Actually, results may vary by Limp Bizkit, the West Borlandless album, was my first CD I ever owned. Asked for it from my mom for Christmas. I must have been nine or something because I think like WrestleMania or some wrestling pay per view was coming out and they were using the song Build a Bridge for their thing. So I wanted it because of that because I, I was big into wrestling as a kid. So yeah, my mom actually bought me that Limp Bizkit CD for a little child. She said, do not repeat the words on this CD. She was very cool, and she also allowed her child to buy all these Aqua Teen DVDs, which I probably shouldn't have had at the time. So yes, if you haven't turned the podcast off yet because I just said Limp Bizkit had artistic integrity, obviously meant that within the confines of Limp Bizkit. Let's move on to some video games. And I apologize, this section's going on kind of long, but as I said, this was the only Aqua Teen episode released this month, so I kind of want to cover everything from this month. Because there's lots of good stuff happening. In terms of video games, we had Dark Age of Camelot released on PC. And I actually bought this game at some point. I don't know if it was in October 10th, 2001 when it came out. But I bought it because it was cheap, right? As I said before, growing up, we didn't have a lot of money. So it was very rare I could get something. But I found this video game that looked cool. The back, you know, screenshots looked awesome. And it was super cheap for the computer. We had a computer, I believe it was a hand-me-down or something from our cousins when they got a new one. And I was so excited. My mom bought it for me. Get home and see that you need to pay a subscription to fucking play it. So no Dark Age of Camelot for me, even though we bought the disc for it. Which explains why it was so cheap, right? Because you they made their money off the subscription. Also very much doubt we even had internet access at the time. So even if we could get the subscription, still couldn't play it. Dark Age of Camelot has very high ratings though. So I was really missing out. Poor little Ronnie. Back in the early aughts. We also had Microsoft Flight Simulator 2002 coming out on the 16th. So two days after this Aqua Teen episode. We had Grand Theft Auto 3 coming out this month on the 22nd. Huge game. This uh, came came out on the PlayStation 2. We also had Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3. Civilization 3. Holy shit, guys. 2001, October. Big month for the third (laughs) installments of lots of things. And uh, Pikmin came out on GameCube. Of course, more games coming out this month, but we'll be here all day if I read out every single one. So sorry if I missed a game you liked, okay? Two personal favorites of mine. They are well-received, but not as big as those other games would be Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney coming out in Japan on the 12th for Game Boy Advance. We didn't get it in North America until the DS re-release in 2005, but yes, the first Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney game. Very good games. If you like a a murder story, I would check those out. There's a ton of them that have been out. And I'm playing through them, but it's been a few years and I'm very slow. Secondly, October 21st, we had Stronghold coming out on the Windows PC. Love Stronghold games so much. One of my favorite franchises. It's a uh, medieval castle building uh, war kind of game. So first Stronghold, love that franchise. Even though the games haven't really been that good in the past uh, 15 years. The first few that came out were amazing, and the games coming out now are still pretty good, uh, save for a few stinkers here or there. Again, apologies, but I wanted to cover all the good stuff that was happening that month, or at least some of it. (laughs) So let's get to this Adult Swim schedule. On this very night that this episode of Aqua Team premiered, we had 10 p.m. and 10.30 p.m., was home movies. Actually, these episodes were new to Adult Swim, but they were actually the first two episodes of the show that had premiered years previous on UPN. So yes, not really new, but new to the network in their first time being aired in a long time. These episodes were Get Away From My Mom and I Don't Do Well in Parent Teacher Conferences. Get Away From My Mom, I believe the one where Coach McGurk starts dating Brendan's mom. Very funny episode. At 11 p.m., we had this episode of Aqua Teen, Mayhem of the Moon Knights. Then we had an episode of C-Lab 2021, Little Orphan Angry. And then two episodes of Space Ghost, a new one called Flip Mode, which was also written by Matt and Dave. Uh, Actually, this whole premiering season was written by them, which is a really great season. And it explains why it's really great, obviously. It was written by Dave Willis and Matt Malero. And then after Flip Mode, we had Brilliant Number 2, which had been out already came out a couple years ago. And I apologized to the anime lovers last week. So the website I was using to look at what these adult swim schedules were cut off the next show that we had, which was actually two episodes of Cowboy Bebop, the classic anime. Um, So these premiered at 12am and 1230am. So on the website, understandably, they are shown on the second page, like the next day's worth of airing. So that was my bad for not going forward. But yes, same thing this night we had two episodes of cowboy bebop airing both new to the united states to my understanding obviously they had been out in japan before they were dubbed but we had jupiter jazz part two and bohemian rhapsody cowboy bebop another great show i don't think i've seen all of it but i've seen a lot of it i need to watch the rest of it at some point even if you're not into anime classically like I think it's just a good show that people would like regardless this airing block very similar to our last airing block on the 30th all the same shows different episodes shaping up to be a good night and this intro to the podcast shaping up to be very long so I will start placing timestamps in the show notes without further ado let's get to discussing the mayhem of the moon (laughs) Knights. That little clip, that little song there, actually called The Moon and Knight Death March, which we will get to. So yes, October 14th, 2001, Mayhem of the Moon and Knights. We start with the classic Dr. Weird intro. The intro music this time is the right pitch, unlike last week when we were talking about Bus of the Undead. That intro music was for some reason pitched up. We're back to normal here. This intro, not as related really to the episode like the past three episodes, so... We open with just Dr. Weird with a guitar with a very long neck with a huge stack of amps and he's just ready to shred for Steve. And then outside of Dr. Weird's lab, we see the Moon Knight ship come down and fly away and that's it. So he didn't invent them. There's nothing related to the hole in the wall as we've seen in the last three episodes. It's just kind of a slice of life little joke here. Dr. Weird wanting to rock out, and then we see the Moon of Nights. So we're kind of given some sort of context. I always say like, oh, I'm not going to play all these Dr. Weird clips, but they're always so great. Even this one, is so mundane, but just see Martin Croker's voice delivery is so hilarious, so I can't help but play it.
0: <laughs> I'm ready to blow <laughs> your hair to the
4: back of this auditorium! One, two, three, four! This one's called Robot Infliction!
2: Yeah! Yes, very different than anything we've seen yet. So when the garage door opens in the lab, it's just a stack of amps. They're supposed to be like Marshall amps, I think, but they just say weird on them. So I guess, I guess he invented these amps. And we do see them later in the episode. So there is that connection, I guess. It is a very loose connection because they don't really play a big part in the episode, but they are there. And this guitar we see all the time. The guitar with the insanely long neck. Um, anytime they need a guitar, really, they'll, they'll throw it in there. It's in the shape of a W as well. <laughs> and it's funny because it's clearly like a metal guitar. And Matt Malero there playing guitar, he does a lot of, if not all, the guitar playing on the show. This dude can fucking rip. So very cool to hear his playing. There's also some music jokes in this episode, but later on as well. And as a musician, I just absolutely die when those jokes come up. This guitar reminds me a lot of of a BC Rich guitar, which I remember when I was in seventh grade, there was a kid I was in a band with, and he really wanted a BC Rich. He bought a BC Rich, which was funny. Because even though we were like, quote, in a band, the band only performed two songs for some like talent show kind of battle of the bands thing. And we were not playing metal music. So it was funny that he wanted this BC Rich, which is just a stereotypical metal looking guitar. It's all pointy and shit. When we were playing like My Chemical Romance covers and he was like really big into Jet. So it's just kind of funny to get that metal guitar for not metal music. And same thing with the show when they have... Shake playing it sometimes doing absolutely not metal music. But yeah, after all that, the Moon Knight ship drops down. It's like something you would expect to see from Space Invaders. I've read it is isn't Space Invaders, but looking at images from that game and like all the ship types, I didn't see it. So either I just couldn't find it or whoever wrote that wherever I read it was lying. But yes, yeah, something you could expect to see in something like Space Invaders, pixelated ship, you know, a bit of foreshadowing to what the Moon Knights look like. And there are chiptune sounds at the beginning and end of the intro music, so that's kind of cool to tie it all together. So you'll hear a little bit of chiptune at the beginning of this next clip coming up. You guys probably know, but any real movements that the Moon and do, there's some sort of chiptune sound played. According to the Aqua Teen Hunger Force fandom wiki, these sounds are mostly from the Atari 2600, and their sounds are taken from games such as Circus Atari, Air slash Sea Battle, and Pac-Man. And I, I love all these sounds. It just really brightens up the show, I think, and adds a lot to the episodes. But all right, our episode proper opens with the Moon and Knight ship, the same ship we just saw in the Dr. Weird skit, landed in front of Carl's house, and the Moon and Knights are knocking on his door. Number one in the hood, Jay.
3: Hello, Carl. I am Ignignokt, and this is Ur. I am Ur. We are Moonanites from the inner core of the moon. You said it right! Our race is hundreds of years beyond yours. Man,
0: do you hear what he's saying?
3: Some would say that the Earth is our
0: moon. We are the moon. But
3: that would belittle the name of our moon, which is the moon.
0: <laughs> point is, we're at the center, not you.
3: No, the real point is, I don't give a damn. <laughs> Is your ego satisfied? Damn, no. <laughs> no. Look, room for rent. Yes, room for rent.
2: Damn, no. So I know that you guys have seen the Moon Nights, so I'm not going to dwell on their appearance, but Ignignoct is a green humanoid pixel thing, for lack of a better term, and then Ur is a smaller pink one. Ignignoct and Ur are played by Dave Willis and Matt Malero, respectively. Ignignoct has a very flowery, regal way of speaking, and then Ur is just like really inappropriate. He's always swearing. He's kind of like a uh, like a teenager, I guess. And they just play off each other so well. It's so funny. According to the commentary, the original idea was for them to sound the same. So I assume they were both supposed to be kind of flowery like Ignignac is. But... Totally glad they didn't go that route because that would have just been kind of boring, I think. It allows for much more comedy with their personalities the way they are. And if anybody has seen Baffler Meal, the Space Ghost episode where the Aqua Teens debuted, Ignignok's voice is very similar to the voice that Dave did for Master Shake in that episode. Of course, that episode was produced later, but I don't know the timeline of when like these voices were recorded or not. Great joke where the Nights just know Carl's name. <laughs> As he opens the door, they're like, hello, Carl. And it just makes no sense. How would they know what his name is? Carl opens his door. We get a small glimpse inside of his house. We can see a poster of a woman in a bikini on a beach. And then like some sort of lamp. Otherwise, we just see like wood paneling, purple carpet. Yeah, not not a ton else to go on right now. You can see ignignacht, Err. They're saying a lot, specifically Ignignokt. Like they're using a lot of words, but they're not really saying anything. All he's doing is bragging about how they're from the moon. The moon is so great. Carl doesn't care. Closes the door. And then they look over at the Aqua Teens house and see that there's a room for rent. Off the bat, it doesn't really make sense why they're called the Moonenites, apart from being from the moon. But like, why are these pixelated creatures on the moon? In the commentary, Dave and Matt talk about how the original idea was that the Aqua Teen house was built on the burial ground for some ET cartridges for the Atari, which was a real thing that actually happened. The ET game for Atari did horribly because it was just absolutely rushed out the door. The developer of it was given no time to really do anything, but they wanted to get it out for Christmas or something. And these games did not sell because they were just so awful. So they literally just buried all the games in New Mexico, I think, somewhere. There's actually a really great documentary about this called Atari Game Over. It's only like an hour long, and they kind of go through the story behind it and dig up these cartridges. I think it's on Netflix because it was always kind of like a a legend or a myth that they were buried you know, because it sounds so bizarre, but in the documentary, they dig them up and it really happened. So yes, that was the idea behind the Moon and Knights. That's why they're pixelated creatures. But then they added the whole moon idea to it and it kind of changed from there. All right, so moving on, we cut from the Moon and Knights seeing the room for rent sign instantly to the inside of the Aqua Teen house. Shake is sitting on his recliner watching TV and Mewat is asking him about the room for rent.
0: Room for rent. The great Wad, sometimes you have to rent a room instead of work. <laughs>
1: well, what rooms gonna do, run is my question. Your room? No, so <laughs> Look, it's
0: just until this ear infection clears up. Then I'll be able to go back to work again. Yeah, well, I don't see no ears. Well, you <laughs> are about not to have a mouse, and I mean it. I'll rip it off.
2: Something of note here is the wall divider, the infamous wall divider between their living room and kitchen is finally broken, like we're used to seeing it. Before, they would try and have it broken, but they had, like, they superimposed another one over it. It was just bizarre, whatever was happening in those previous episodes. But yes, now that wall divider is broken. Now I can finally relax about it. Yeah, Miwad's asking about the room for rent. Shake says, sometimes you have to rent a room instead of work. (laughs) So, I mean, I, I could dig at landlords, which... I mean, I would like to. I've known a few landlords and sometimes it seems like you get the shitty end of the stick and it's more trouble than it's worth. But I feel like most landlords probably make it out all right. And grew up most of my life renting. I feel like most people probably spend most of their lives renting. Luckily, I've mostly had good landlords. But when I was a kid in the house that we lived in, it was a fucking dump. The dude barely did anything. And the funny thing is the guy was the mayor of our town. (laughs) And uh, the girl I was dating at the time, her dad was like, yeah, I was thinking about like reporting to somebody like how shitty your house is and how the, the mayor is your landlord. Like he should do something about that. Actually, that girlfriend's dad was a huge Aqua Teen fan. He had some of the DVDs. So Bob, if you're listening to this, hope you're doing well. But yes, I don't want to seem sympathetic on landlords. My understanding now is we're facing a lot of problems because rich people are buying up all the houses and then renting them out, making it harder for less wealthy people to afford homes because they're all getting bought up real quick to be sold or used as Airbnbs or some such bullshit like that. So hopefully our politicians do something about that, but I'm not holding my breath. I just love Shake being an asshole and Meatwad telling him that it's his room going up for rent and Meatwad's just no kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But he has like an angry look on his face. It's so great. Can't really tell what Shake is watching on TV, by the way. I figured they would have reused like assisted living Dracula footage, but it's just at such an extreme angle. I cannot make out what it is. Shake has obviously always been an asshole up until this point in that he's mean to meet Wad. He only cares about himself. But this is the first time he is truly this shitty and selfish to his housemates in a way that we haven't seen yet. And we will now continue to see. Because as we will soon find out, he didn't consult anybody about renting out this room and he's renting out Meatwad's room, we know, without Meatwad's permission or knowledge. So that's just like a new extreme level of shittiness because there's very long-term lasting effects to just bringing in some new roommates without telling your current roommates and especially renting out somebody's room without consulting them at all about it. Very funny because the doorbell rings and Shake just fucking sprints to the door. Like if Go back and rewatch this. It's kind of strange when you're actually, like, when you're actually looking for it. Because he goes very fast. He flies out of that chair and instantly answers that door. You figure he would have somebody else answer the door or he would not want to get up and answer the door, but he's on it super quick. So yeah, Shake answers the door and it's the Muna Knights. Let's see their first interaction with the Aqua Teens.
0: Hello.
3: Hello, I am Ignignot and this is Er. Give
0: us the damn room. What are your references? <laughs> Okay, that'll do. Let me show you where you'll be staying then.
2: I love how Shake opens the door and the Moon Knights as you can hear they just walk in. <laughs> they he doesn't like invite them in or anything. They just they just come inside. He asks what their references are for the room and they just start spinning and glowing and Shake is very mesmerized and that's all that's all he needs. That's the, what else do you need, right? Shake brings them into Meatwad's room, which is now his official room. I believe the last time we saw it was in Rabat, when they first awakened the Meatwad. This is just a completely different image for his bedroom. There's way more drawings on the walls. The carpet is way nastier. And there's a mountain of sand coming out of the closet. Some of the drawings we see are a cat, Frylock, Shake, lots of smiling faces, a tree. Meatwad is just a very creative guy. There is also, of course, the grill where he sleeps. So yeah, let's follow Shake and the Moonanites into Meatwad's bedroom.
0: In here with the grill, and if you want to turn down, you have to start a fight with this little mutant guy right here. <laughs> I'll sleep. Not anymore. Now I'll uh need a deposit. Yeah, I- I've seen that. The glowing—it's great. I'm thinking something more money-wise.
3: Then how does this jam box suit you? What a Travel?
0: treble, <That's>
3: antenna. <laughs> yes, I think we can make a deal here.
1: That's my Box.
3: Your jam box is now his, by way of our actions.
0: Yes, Meatwad, with actions. Actions? Now look, you guys, if you need anything, just feel free to yell at him until he gets it for you.
2: Meatwad is clearly unhappy here. He has a very defined angry look on his face. Poor guy. I mean, I would too if you found out that your room was getting rented out. Shake tells the Knights if they want to turn the grill down, they'll have to talk to this little mutant guy right here, which I absolutely love. Poor Meatwad says, that's where I sleep. But Ur says, not anymore. So then Shake asks them for a deposit, and they start spinning again and glowing like they did when they were asked for references. But very funny, Shake's just like, yeah, I've seen that. The glowing, it's great. But Shake Shake wants something more money-wise. Then they just just hand him Meatwad's jam box, which, you know, I don't know why Shake would want, because he already kind of had it, right? Like, he already has access to it. But hey, man, it has bass, treble, and antenna. That's enough for him. The, of course, the entire time Meet is saying, it's my Jambox. Poor guy. The Jambox, of course, playing the Moon and Night Death March, the track I've been using to lead into these proper Aqua Teen sections. And the full track is actually used as the outro music here, which is the first time that they will use different music as the outro music, which I'm a freaking dummy and haven't talked at all about the outro music in the show, which is a big missed opportunity. So I'll address that later on in the episode. But yeah, Shake walks out with the jam box, telling them if they need anything, they can just yell at Meatwad until he gets it for them. <laughs> Meatwad's left alone with the Moon and Nights, and he just starts telling them about how much of an asshole that Shake is.
1: He's always messing with me. Shoot
3: him, the bird. Yes, give him the finger.
1: The finger? What,
3: <laughs> No, not at all like that. <laughs> what about this? N- here, let me show you. Uh, hand out the free cigarettes. We
0: smoke as we shoot the bird.
2: The Moon Knight's actually like sympathizing with Meatwad, telling him that he should shoot Shake the Bird. And so he says, okay, like this. And he turns into a hot dog, which is the first time we see Meatwad turn into a hot dog in the series outside of the intro, obviously. Ignignox says, no, not at all. Then Meatwad turns into an igloo, asks if that's how you flip the bird. Of course, he's not doing it right. But they give Meatwad a cigarette. And that's the end of that scene. So honestly, it's kind of nice seeing Meatwad actually have some friends here, people who will talk with him and hang out with him. But unfortunately, things don't remain rosy and positive the rest of the episode. We cut back to Shake in the living room and Frylock is asking him from the bathroom, which they don't have if he's seen Frylock's towel.
4: Shake!
0: Have you seen my towel? Just use a paper towel! I'm <laughs> taking a bath! They're right in the kitchen! Just go get them! Man, that pool is bitching. Where shall I place this
4: wet, primitive earth towel? <laughs>
0: drape it on Frylock's computer. That thing heats up pretty
4: good. Who is that with my towel?
0: Oh, that's, uh, Nygnot. Yeah, him and Er are renting that room down there.
4: You mean Meatwad's room? Do not drape that on my computer!
0: I'm gonna. Well, where do you <laughs> expect him to put it? They don't have anything. (laughs) They're from the moon.
2: You rented that room to moon people. We have Frylock asking Shake for his towel. And you notice that he's asking in like a deeper voice that we haven't heard from Frylock since the first episode. So kind of interesting that it's, it's just like a huge kind of callback to the first episode in terms of Frylock's voice and personality. But then he just jumps back into, I guess, modern Frylock. I love Shake telling Frylock just to get a paper towel. Like what a fucking asshole. It's so funny. The Moonanites come in with Frylock's towel, uh, his Earth towel, and Frylock finds out what's going on because he didn't know anything about the room for rent and he's just meeting the Moonanites and he is understandably very angry at Shake. Shake tells Frylock that that is Ignignot with his towel. Um, Obviously, his name is Ignignacht, and later we will hear Shake mispronounce Ignignacht's name again. Both mispronunciations are very funny and I have no idea if this was in the script or if Dana Snyder was just messing up the name and they kept it in. I DM'd Dana Snyder on Twitter to try and ask him that, but unfortunately, he didn't see the message. He is active on Twitter, it seems, but since he doesn't follow me, I'm assuming that like it went to a spam folder or something, and I don't want to keep bothering him to ask him. So unfortunately, I couldn't find that out for you guys. It stinks, because I feel like he would have responded if he saw it, You know, assuming that he remembered, because this is over 20 years ago at this point. But... It is what it is. I'm assuming that he was just messing up the name because Ignignokt is not the easiest thing to pronounce and I have messed it up myself several times recording this podcast. The Moon Knight's come back into the room and... We get a great confrontation between them and Frylock.
3: We are the Moonanites, and our culture is advanced beyond all that you can possibly comprehend with 100% of your brain.
4: Oh, is that so? And what's so advanced about it?
3: Well, for one thing, the moon has one-third less gravity than your Earth. I don't know if you can
4: understand that, but (laughs) our vertical leap is beyond all measurement. So what you're saying is your culture is more advanced because you can jump higher?
3: Yes, observe. It's, it's not working here. Uh, come in here.
0: Help me explain our advanced ways. Hurry. Did you mention the spelling? Yes,
3: we're excellent spellers. Challenge
0: me. Challenge us both. <laughs> Frylock, don't try to understand them. They're beyond everything. Isn't that right, Ignaut?
3: All that we say and do is right.
2: Looks like you got yourself a real couple of winners there, Shake. <laughs> Frylock understandably asks Ignaut, like, what's so advanced about the moon? And he starts talking about gravity, which is funny because Frylock can fly. So you would think he doesn't really care about how high they can jump since he could literally fly anywhere. It's just like really tone deaf from Ignignac. Speaking of Frylock's flying, it was revealed in the commentary that Frylock didn't originally fly. Uh, One of the ideas ran by the team was that he would turn upside down and walk with his fries, but it was too creepy looking and would have been way too much to animate. Instead, they uh, made him float around like a Powerpuff girl, which, as I've said before... Dave Willis specifically is on record a lot talking about Powerpuff Girls and how much he liked that show. And, you know, kind of foreshadowing to the Powerpuff Mall, which we will go back to soon, which we went to originally in episode one, Rabbot, Anybody that's seen Bathler Meal will see that the one of the designs on Frylock before the Aqua Teen design was that he just walked around with Fry feet and he had like Fry arms, kind of more humanoid. As I was talking about before with Master Shake mispronouncing Ignignac's name... Here he just says "ignog," <laughs> which is so great. I love that so much. But yeah, we really just get the Moonanites being assholes, and Frolic is just, like, done with it. He doesn't really care, and he goes to float away, and the Moonanites follow him and kind of keep harassing him.
3: <laughs> you and your third dimension.
2: What about it?
3: Oh, nothing. It's cute. We have five. Thousand. Yes, five thousand. <laughs>
1: Don't
2: question it. Oh yeah. Well, I only see two.
3: Well, that sounds like a personal problem.
2: Yeah. So just a, a shorter little clip here. Just again, frylock was floating away to go to his room, I assume, and the Moon Knights followed him to keep antagonizing him. I love Ignnok saying we have five, and then Ur chimes in with thousand. Yes, five thousand dimensions. Um, that's such great Aquatine humor. Like you see so much of that yes and kind of humor in this show. My brain is too small to figure this out. Like. Four dimensions I can grasp. Five, I'm kind of lost. Like, I'm pretty lost on five. I, you know, 5,000. Obviously, it's a silly giant number, but I feel like, I feel like five is kind of where I max out on that. Clearly, though, they're only two-dimensional, and Frylock points that out, and Ignignacht says that that's a you problem. <laughs> but yes, I, I can't stress enough how you get so much of the Moon Knights' personality because they chased after Frylock to keep bragging about how superior they are. Meatwad comes in. Breaking up this scene He's having a nick fit Someone
1: hook me up with a flame I'm having a nick fit Uh, (laughs) Light him up (gasps) Meat Wad Here Encourage
3: him in his habit That's a good smoker When did you start smoking?
1: This morning I my whiskey? I'm gonna get tore
3: up. <laughs> we shall acquire some wine on the way to the mall. And
1: then you can get tore up.
3: And pass out in the hot sun. <laughs> That's
1: my balls.
2: This is really the first time we see Meatwad being bad, like of his own volition, because he comes into the room with a cigarette in his mouth. And we really see how he tailors his attitude towards whoever he's hanging out with. For example, in Dumber Dolls, he gets depressed because of Happy Time Harry. He kind of just like... Really wants friends, and he just really mirrors their personalities. Actually, this weekend I had a good friend come and visit who I haven't seen in a while, and she was like, "Oh, let me see, like, let's watch Aqua Teen," because she had never really seen it before. So I watched it with her and my fiance, and I picked Dumber Dolls as the episode, just because I know it's one of those classic episodes. Unfortunately, in retrospect, I don't think it was a great episode to show them because Meatwad is just depressed the whole time, so you don't get like, like it's funny because you know who Meatwad is in that episode. So I kind of wish I went with maybe this episode instead or... I'm going to tell you now, I think Kidney Car from Season 2 is my favorite episode. I probably should have gone with that. But yeah, showed them Dumber Dials. I don't think that they were super into it, but I'm probably just being too paranoid. Like, you know how when you show somebody something you really like, all you see are the flaws while you're showing it to them? So I I think we had some of that involved. I feel like Aqua Teen is a hard show just to see once and fall in love with it. I feel like you got to see a bunch of episodes and really learn the personalities of the characters to appreciate it more. Frylock is very surprised to see Meatwad smoking. I mean, we all kind of are, right? Like, <laughs> he's basically a child. And he asks, where's my whiskey? I'm going to get tore up. I'm going to try and work this into my everyday vocabulary. I just love that. So hey, man, if you've got some whiskey, take a swig for Meatwad. And then last thing I love from this clip is Ignignac talking about passing out in the hot sun. <laughs> he just really drags the O in hot. I've never passed out in the hot sun before, but it does not sound nice at all. It sounds really awful. As Meatwad and the Moon Knights are leaving to go to the mall, Fralak is very upset about the situation, about how the Moon Knights are influencing Meatwad, but all Shake cares about is his new Dr. Weird guitar. Like I said at the beginning, I guess the intro was kind of related to the episode, because we did see the guitar in Amp's at Dr. Weird's lab, so we can assume the Moonanites broke in and stole it at some point, and I think it's safe to assume they went in through the rabbit hole. I don't think Meatwad should be hanging around with these moon people.
0: I don't think I need to be playing with these medium strings. <laughs> I need Light Gage if I'm gonna thrash.
4: <laughs> Where'd you get that?
0: An and, and Er, They are the most generous people I have ever known.
2: Master Shake here finally saying Ignaq's name correctly. There's the huge stack of weird amps on top of their house and he's blasting i love the light gauge string joke uh, which is accurate you you probably would use light gauge strings for thrash and again matt malero knows his stuff he knows how to shred he's into all that kind of stuff so assume he wrote that joke i love just how long this guitar is i can't get over it it's i counted out it's 42 frets and a guitar normally has 21 or 22 frets on it. The fret being like a spot where you can put your finger to make a note, I guess. So (laughs) just insane. Uh, Twice as long as a normal guitar's neck. I looked up some videos on YouTube trying to find a 42 fret guitar, and I did find one. It's like custom made, but the guy didn't really go that high on it, so I couldn't really tell. I assume like... I don't even know what these highest strings would sound like that far up. if 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 it would even be audible or what... But I love that in the comments of like the seven comments on this video, someone's like Aqua Teen Hunger Force made me look this up. (laughs) So I'm not the only one counting frets out here. We cut to the Powerpuff Mall again with the rabbit hole on the side. Love it. And we see a new store this time, an electronics store. And the Moonanites are trying to get Meatwad to shoplift.
3: Pick up that stereo and sink it deep within your body.
1: But the narrow be
3: stereo. Not if you need it. And you need it. <laughs> On the moon meatwise. So go get it! We have advanced beyond rules and manners. Indeed. Do you understand?
0: Uh look.
3: Yeah. No. I will spit in your face now.
0: Prepare to spit. <laughs> 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 now do you understand
3: good now wrap yourself around that rack of dvds smoke up smoke while you are doing so
0: oh wait i'm stuck we must go spread our advanced technology yes move out yes move out. Quickly. let's go
2: bob pettit once again coming in clutch on these backgrounds i love this electronic store background and i'm probably gonna be mentioning bob for the rest of this podcast Every episode, I'm sure, because he worked on like every episode of Aqua Teen, So lots of great stuff. I love all the backgrounds in this show. Moon and Knights being just awful influences on Meatwad. And we see here that they just really don't care about him. They spit in his face because he doesn't want to shoplift. And then when he tries and he can't really move, because they have him wrap himself around the entire giant rack of DVDs and the alarm goes off, they just book it and they just steal TVs and run out and leave them there. So up to this point, you could maybe think, oh, yeah, they're bad, but maybe they just want like him to join them or something. But no, they're not looking for new partners or anything like that. They don't give a fuck. They're just using him however they can. Love the sound effects on them spitting in his face. And you'll notice a little error here where when Meatwad is stuck under the DVD rack, you'll see his reflection on the floor. But the Moon Knight's run out, and there's no reflection. I mean, maybe it's because they're 2D, I guess? Yeah, you would still see it, though. I I, I don't know. And they're really freaking bright, so I would expect to see a reflection from them. We're instantly cut back to the Aqua Teens house, and Shake is on the phone finding out that Meatwad is in jail because he was caught trying to steal an entire rack of DVDs, which is so funny now thinking about stealing DVDs or going to jail for stealing DVDs because you can just download anything you want for free if you know how to find it. Not like I'm suggesting you do that. And friendly reminder, you can watch Aqua Teen on HBO Max. Buy it from Amazon. Digital bullshit, whatever their deal is. You can buy the DVDs. Target just got a new batch of, I think, every season. And, of course, eBay. Find them for like two bucks. So you got to get these DVDs or these files in your collection. Legally, people. But yes, let's return to the Aqua Teen house where... Shake and Frylock are finding out Meatwad is now in jail for being a bad boy.
0: He's in jail? Jail? let him rot? Who? (laughs) Meatwad? Oh, wait, he already has. Oh, you'll find that out soon enough. Give me that. What?
2: Don't throw him away. He's a living
4: thing. I'll be right there.
2: Typical Shake being an asshole. He doesn't care. And then Frylock takes the phone out of his hand. And you see a great, really long Frylock arm come in and reach for the phone out of Shake's hand. It's just really bizarre looking how long... This Fry is that reaches and grabs the phone And then while Frolak is on the phone The Moononites return home
3: Using a key To gouge expletives on another's Vehicle is a sign of trust And friendship
4: Who did this to my freaking car
3: We are not here we will be in the computer room Come on. What happened
4: to Meatwad You guys were with him last
3: He got busted man For stealing and drinking and smoking In a non-smoking area
4: Shake we need to go get him
0: Look I would love to help you out, but you go get him.
4: I'll deal with you guys
2: later. Poor Carl just got his car keyed by these asshole Moon and Knights, writing the moon rules on his car. And of course, Frylock is pissed off at them, and they say they're going to be in the computer room, which I love that term. And the computer room is Frylock's bedroom, but to them, it's just the computer room. They don't care. But Frylock has to go pick up Meatwad from jail, and the Nights, like, as Frylock is there, it's like they're going to the computer room because they kind of seem like they're afraid of Frylock a little bit. And then in this next clip, after Frylock has left the room, they go back to talk to Shake. <laughs>
3: Your roommate is a nerd. Yes,
0: on the moon, nerds get their pants pulled down and they are spanked with moon rocks. <laughs> Man, you guys sure talk a lot about the moon. Yes. You got a problem with that? Come on, let's go swimming.
2: We can see the Nights do not like Frylock. And if he was on the moon like would get his pants pulled down and he'd be spanked with moon rocks. And interesting here, I really like that Shake is kind of like getting annoyed with them now. He's like, wow, you guys sure do talk a lot about the moon. Like, he's just getting fed up with it. Because that's all they talk about is how great they are, how great the moon is. And I'll be interested to see in these future Moon Knight episodes if their personalities change because Ignignox is clearly the leader and Ur is more like a hype man, I guess. He just kind of like repeats what... Ignignox says, or sometimes he'll add a little bit more context to it. But at least in this episode, it's very rare that that Er actually says something first and offers really any new information outside of like clarifying something that Ignignox said. But yeah, Shake says, "Let's go to Carl's pool," which is just funny since they just keyed Carl's car. Now they're gonna go enjoy his pool, which makes me feel really bad for Carl here. And we cut. To outside their houses, and Frolock is escorting Meatwad home, who has a new tattoo on his face of a clown on a unicycle.
1: Look, Earl gave me a tattoo before the man put me on ice.
4: It's tough, isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's really tough, Meatwad. It's
1: a clown, and it symbolizes street warfare. <laughs> See, I'm part of the clowns now, you dude!
4: Look, Meatwad, you're a detective. You're sworn to uphold
2: the law.
1: Whose law? You're alone, man,
2: so, kind of confusing here. He says, Ur gave me a tattoo, but last time he saw Ur, Ur was running out of the electronics store with a TV and then Meatwad went to jail. So, it doesn't really make sense how Ur was able to give him a tattoo. You would assume he got it in jail. I don't know why that wasn't the joke, but yeah, somehow Ur gave it to him and it symbolizes street warfare, even though it's just a happy clown with some balloons. And he's on a unicycle. But yeah, Meatwad is in a gang called the Clowns now. Frylock tells Meatwad that he's a detective. He's sworn to uphold the law. So they're kind of like loosely trying to be like, hey, remember these guys are detectives. Yeah, I know they aren't investigating anything. They're just dealing with a roommate situation here. And Meatwad is getting corrupted. But they're detectives, we promise. Frylock and Meatwad get back to their house. Meatwad is very excited to see his friends now that he's out of the ice. But his friends aren't there. Hey,
1: where's my running crew? (laughs) Running <laughs>
2: I fucking love Dave Willis so much. That's just, oh my God, the way he read that, it's just perfect. It's perfect. And you really see here how Meatwad is failing so fucking hard trying to be tough and street. And he's just not at all, which is kind of funny because I feel like as the series goes on, he kind of does get that way a little bit and it's more genuine. But in these early stages, no, he's, he's way too innocent for this. We see where his running crew is, they're in Carl's pool, and they're having a breath holding contest.
0: Twenty seconds! It's a new world record! Whoa. Oh.
3: yeah.
2: Twenty-three
3: seconds. That is the new moon record. Then it shall be so. <laughs> now and forever. New moon record. That's funny. Hi, Carl. So maybe you'll be a good person to ask who wrote the moon rules. Number one on my car with a key. Oh
0: well. If
3: you hey. have a problem with that, maybe you should take it up with Mr. Laser. Yeah, Mr. Laser. Here it comes. Here it comes. You will be destroyed. You're going down. The explosion will be of extraordinary magnitude.
2: Shake holds his breath for 20 seconds, and then Ignignox comes up three seconds later with 23 seconds. But it's funny because when Shake comes up, he's gasping for air, you know, because he needs air to live. Of course, you know, he's a milkshake. Come on, what else do milkshakes breathe? And Ignignox just, like, casually floats up out of the water. (laughs) Like, you know, he's from the moon. He doesn't need oxygen. And I love that it's the new moon record when there's not, you know, pools of water on the moon. So... I guess any amount that he held his breath would have been the new moon record. I love here, from what I can tell, Ur er is holding his cigarette backwards. So the butt of the cigarette is pointing out. Just a, <laughs> I don't know if that was intentional. I mean, it must have been, but it's just kind of strange. Yeah, Carl comes out. He's not happy to see them in his pool, especially because they just keyed the moon rules on his car. And Ignignox pulls a gun, shoots it at Carl, and the bullet, as we can see, is really slow. It literally just creeps along. I'm not going to play the full clip because it's just like beeping noises of the bullet. And they're just Ignignox and Ura telling Carl, hang on, it takes a while. Like, it'll get you. As the bullet approaches, Carl steps out of the way. It bounces off the house and hits him in the back and he just disappears. Love the humor of it bouncing and hitting him. Similar to Rabot where Frylock shoots lasers at the Rabot and it bounces off of him and hits Shake instead. So... Four episodes in, and they're still playing on that, like, humor. So, for all we know, Carl is dead, and Shake is very happy about it.
0: Wow, nice job. That guy is so annoying. (laughs) You know, he struts around like he owns the place.
4: Because he does own it.
0: Frylock, what are you doing?
3: Here.
2: I need to speak (laughs) with Ignignot and Er here.
3: Then you shall speak to us as we watch television.
2: You know, I never noticed Frylock here says Ignignot, so Carrie, so... Carrie Means messing it up as well. Funny with Shake saying, Frylock, what are you doing here? I wonder if Dana Snyder messed up the line or what the idea was there. But yeah, Frylock is here to confront the Moonanites. Shake was happy that Carl was gone, but, you know, Frylock is annoyed because Carl does own the place and they don't have the right to use it, especially if they keep abusing him. And in this instance, the Moonanites really abused him by shooting him with their laser. Anyways, Freilach is ready to speak to Ignignat, according to him, and Er, And Ignignat says that he'll speak to them while they're watching TV. <laughs> so yeah, we cut inside. They're watching Vegetable Man, which is very similar to Assisted Living Dracula. It's the same actors. So if you want to hear all about that, listen to episode three of the podcast, Bus of the Undead, because I go into the history of those actors and you know, Jay Edwards, who directed both of these and all that good stuff.
4: And you've been stealing and, and, and corrupting wad, and, and and he went to jail and I can't get the smell of smoke out of my drapes and I just want you out of this house now.
2: Frylock giving the Moon Knight's a piece of his mind while they're just watching TV. Vegetable Man, it's literally just Don Kennedy covered in vegetables. He's hiding in the produce section of a supermarket. Mary Craft goes to reach for of whatever vegetable and then he peeks out at her and has like carrots on his fingers and stuff. I guess he's wearing a leotard with real vegetables sewed onto it, which according to the commentary was very difficult to do and I totally can imagine why. The full Vegetable Man short is available on the Volume 2 DVD as a special feature. Not as much going on there as assisted living Dracula. It's literally just Mary Craft reaches for the bell pepper. Don Kennedy gets up as Vegetable Man and just like kind of yells at her and... That's basically it. Then you get another shot of them kind of him kind of chasing her, but it's really slow. You know, seeing these same actors here would make me think that they made Assisted Living Dracula and this for Aqua Teen. But I don't know, there's just something that tells like I get this feeling that that maybe Assisted Living Dracula was made by Jay Edwards, like, randomly, and then they used it and then they decided to film the same actors for this, because I know that Dave, at least, was involved in this. I mean, I don't know. I'm just speculating here. I did tweet at Jay Edwards a couple weeks ago for the Bus of the Undead episode, and unfortunately, he didn't respond. So (laughs) I'm uh, 0 for 2 trying to get hard-hitting answers for you guys. We see in the credits of this episode that Vegetable Man was filmed at Whole Foods, and actually the manager of that Whole Foods was listed in the special thanks, which which was nice of them. They didn't have to do that. Anyways, jumping back to Aqua Teen... We get the great joke that we got in the previous episode of the characters just loving this in-universe movie, even though it's, like, so bizarre. This is a good movie.
0: Yeah, he's vegetable, man. Are you
4: even listening to me? We don't
3: listen to people who don't like us. Well, maybe
4: you'll (laughs) listen to this. What have you
0: done? What was that? Whoa, did those just come out of your eyes?
3: They're primitive.
0: Damn, those are fast, man. (laughs) You're
3: not impressed. Hey,
0: wasn't that cool?
2: They're not listening to Frylock because they don't listen to people who don't like them, and then he just explodes the TV... And I love Ignignock just acting like, oh, I don't care. And Ur is all just like, damn, dude. <laughs> Ur is like really into it. But then at the at the end, he's like, yeah, it wasn't that cool. But clearly Ur is impressed and he can kind of acknowledge Frylock's power while Ignignacht is still too far up his ass. But it's all right, guys. The TV's exploded, but uh, they've got more.
0: Ur get the other one the plasma screen or the high def
4: plasma screen no no don't go get the other one because it's stolen just like the guitar and the jam box and everything in that big pile over there
0: then we shall take it outside
4: oh oh, that's fine we'll go outside come on let's go right now
0: (laughs) yeah because i don't want any of this stuff smashed it's new and expensive i'm gonna wring your pants
2: we see a huge pile of electronics in the aqua teens hallway a couple tvs some speakers CD player, cassette deck, it looks like. Just all sorts of electronic stuff like that, as well as the Dr. Weird guitar. Interestingly enough, we don't see the weird speakers again on the roof of the Aqua Teen house as we go outside here. Funny animation, Frylock is floating out backwards, like glaring at the Moon and Nights. It's just like, uh, you know, how else are they supposed to animate this character? But just seeing it looks wonky because he, you know, he's facing them, so he has to fly backwards out the door. And here we actually do get Ur er saying something without it following up something said by Ignat. But yes, I have to explain the next scene now. They go outside and instantly we just cut to Frylock holding them down on the pavement. And, and again, they're, they're 2D, so it's just like they're just flat planes on the ground. It's just really funny.
1: Ah, let
4: go of us! Oh, this is a hot road!
1: Frylock, wait! <laughs> <laughs> Why are you beating up on
4: my posse? Meatwad, your posse went swimming while they left you in jail. But
1: they taught me how to get rid of a hangover and how to make a shave out of a bedpost. And On made me wallow in an pile.
4: What kind of a friend would do those things to you? Those friends right over there.
1: You guys wouldn't do anything to hurt me, right? Oh! Aww. We do whatever we
3: want to whomever we want at all times.
2: Meatwad comes in and just tackles Frylock out of the way. He must have been going so fast to create enough momentum to actually hit Frylock. It's just like you never see him be powerful, but this is definitely the time that you do. So Miwad's just questioning Frylock why he's doing this to his posse. Frylock explains that, like, you know, they're bad for him. And he goes over to them and they just Ur just puts a cigarette out in Miwad's eye, which is really sad. I love at some point you see a cigarette fall from Ignok's mouth, and then like right in the next shot it's just gone, it just disappears. According to the commentary, uh, the Moon Knight smoking was like a big problem for the standards and practices department at Cartoon Network. Uh, Apparently, the guys said that they would fix it, but they didn't. (laughs) And it just like, you know, it got on air because people weren't doing their jobs as well as they should have, I guess. Dave and Matt's argument for the Moodinites was that they're bad guys and that people shouldn't smoke. Like, they're not glorifying smoking. These are bad characters and you shouldn't do what they do. Which I guess is fair, right? Like, you shouldn't steal. I think that's pretty clear. And they're allowed to show them stealing stuff. Anyways, it's very sweet of Meatwad to want to save his friends. But unfortunately, they're not really his friends. You know, they treat him like shit. And the Moon Knights are getting fed up, and they are about to show Frylock the quad laser so they can defeat him.
3: Moon Knights unite. Lock in. No one can defeat the quad laser. It
0: is over now.
3: The bullet is enormous. There is
0: no escaping. <laughs> Jumping. Is useless Do hey, you guys know how to work this TV? I tried the button, but it doesn't go Go back inside Oh, you guys are fighting We're fighting <laughs> Right
4: Okay, moonanites Looks like I've got a little moonbeam of my own Well,
0: show us the
3: moonbeam I would love to <laughs> Ship, come in Hurry right. Let us leave this primitive rock Because there's nothing but cavemen here Yeah, goodbye, caveman Go be rocks together, you sissy
2: Ship take off Freaking nerds Nerds so the entire time, the Moon and Knights have these distinct shapes on the top of their heads. And it turns out they can lock into each other and form the quad laser. I really wonder what the big like quad laser does. Okay, So they shoot Carl with a little handgun, essentially. And that sends him to the moon. I wonder what getting hit by the quad laser would do. If, it, if that's supposed to kill you or, or what. But yeah, it's very funny that Ur is the bottom of the quad laser. So he's the support. So he's the little guy supporting Ignignok on top. And note Ur's orangutan arm as described by Dave Willis and Matt Malero on the commentary. It's very funny. His arm is just so outstretched on, on I guess, our left side there. It's just really funny to see. Yes, they shoot this giant, very slow laser. And the lasers are supposed to be slow, I guess. It's just a play on old video games, you know, telegraphing to you. Hey, this thing is coming. You're going to have to jump over it. And, that, you know, Ur says jumping is useless because... I guess this would be the big boss laser you have to defeat in some other way. Shake sees they're fighting, but then he just like does not want any part in it. I like in this episode how Shake, he he kind of instigates this whole thing with his room for rent, but then he kind of stays out of everything. He just wants to chill out. He wants to watch TV, swim in the pool. He doesn't really want to get involved in any of the drama. He just wants to stay out of it. But yeah, like gets fed up with their quad laser bullshit, and he just shoots out his you know, eye lasers, explodes them out of the quad laser form, and they run away, insulting him as he sends out more lasers their way. And it's you know it's just funny that they're insulting him, calling him primitive and stuff. And oh, it sucks here, but like, you know, he could easily kill them if he wanted to. Which good on Frylock, you know, he never like he very rarely just kills people. He he's more kind of diplomatic than that. I think he's more sympathetic than that. You gotta wonder what happens to the quad laser um, bullet that they shot because Frylock doesn't explode that. I don't think he just shoots directly at them. I don't know if this thing is still going somewhere or what the deal is, but whatever. The Munanites are out of here, and Ignignacht has some parting words while he's in space for the Aqua
3: I hope you can see this because I'm doing it as hard as I can.
2: Yes, Ignignacht is flipping him the bird, although he is not smoking while he's doing it. But hey, desperate times call for desperate measures, and we join the Aqua Teens back at Carl's Pool, how we end most episodes so far. Actually, I think that's how we've ended every episode so far is back at the pool, debriefing.
0: Look, Fylock, you know me. Had I known that merchandise had been broken, I would have laid the hammer down. But it was stolen.
4: So you returned it, right?
0: Well, I decided to keep it all as a reminder of how lucky I am to live on a planet with people like you. What happened to Carl?
2: Yep, Shake didn't learn a lesson or anything. He's keeping all the stolen goods. And he tries to, like, pretend like he learned a lesson. Like, oh, he's happy to live on a planet with people like you. Then we just have Meatwad there asking what happened to Carl. And we cut to the moon. We see Carl standing on the moon. Obviously, you know, he's, he can still live somehow, even though there's no oxygen. And the Mooninites land right next to him. Oh,
3: boy, this is what I've always wanted. <laughs> Silence, nerd. Prepare for a moon
0: spanking. Now you drop those sweatpants right now.
2: Great ending. You just love Carl's sarcastic, this is what I always wanted. And then we get a callback to spanking nerds with moon rocks. And I was just, you dropped those sweatpants right now. But yes, that is the end of Mayhem of the Moon and Knights, considered by many the first great Aqua Teen episode. And probably most people would say it's, you know, one of the best episodes. For me, like, I love that it introduces these characters. And it is a really tight episode, well paced. But I don't know. I feel like the later Moon and Night episodes are a little bit better. I don't know. I just don't know why. I, I, objectively, I think it's a really great episode. But subjectively, like it's not really near any of my favorites. But of course, very important because it introduces these important characters who, again, were just as important even as the main characters or rather just as popular. So I would rate this episode four and a half Moon Rocks out of five. Only reason I'm holding back, you know, half a point here is because it's just not one of my favorites. And I want to reserve that for episodes that really, really are important to me. But again, I don't want to understate the importance of this episode. And it does mark, you know, the first time that they're not really detectives. like mentions it to Meatwad, but, it, you know, to me, it felt kind of tongue in cheek. Master Shake, the supposed leader, is just watching TV most of the episode. He invited these villains into his house. So really Aquatine finding its footing here. But yes, thank you for sticking with me through this entire episode. You can probably hear I'm really fucking congested. I don't know what's going on. I guess I have allergies of some sort or something like that. But of course, wanted to get this episode recorded for you guys. I'm actually doing it Monday morning, the, the morning it goes out. Like I said, I had a, a good friend over this weekend, so I wasn't really able to work on recording stuff, at least until now. But wanted to get this out there for you guys. Again, appreciate all the support. Especially thanks to the good folks over at the Animated TV blog for featuring this podcast on their blog. And the administrator there also runs the Aqua Teen Forever Instagram page. So he's posted the blog there. Really appreciate that. And I noticed that he put my podcast as the website on there, which is just absolutely insane. You know, lots of the voice actors from Teen, follow that Instagram page. So means a lot, really. And just anybody sharing this, it's just everybody is having such a huge impact. So thank you guys so much. You know, I love reading your guys' messages. If you'd like to get in contact with me, I'm on Instagram and Twitter, at Pod. Email me at dancingisforbiddenpod at gmail.com. Check out the website, dancingisforbidden.com. You know, I've got the theme song up there now, uh, a little bit more information, and I'll be adding to that as time goes on. And of course please, please send me some voice messages, guys. You can find that in the show notes here along with the other contact information or find that on dancingisforbidden.com. Again, you know, stories that you have about the show, your thoughts on the podcast, even character impersonations, anything. You know, I'd love to include the best of the best on here and get your guys' voices here as well. But yes, I need to go to sleep. I'm a tired guy. Hope you guys have a fantastic week, and I will talk about the normal Aquatine outro music on the next episode. So I will leave you guys with Moon Knight Death March on this episode. It's the closing thing they use for the Moon Knight episodes, and it is is wrapped by Schooly D and his son Baby D. So some father son rapping on this one. Enjoy, guys. Have a great week. Take it.
0: I'm like, is ass, so won't you just step
1: back? Check it out, y'all, check it, check it out.
0: Check it out, y'all, check it, check it out.